With a, a message title like Climb Every Mountain, you have that movie in mind, right? You, you hear the song playing in your head. You're going to help me sing it, right? You're not going to leave me up here all alone singing it, are you? Right? You're going to help me? Climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow. Big finish. Till you find your dream. All right, all right, we got that out of the way. Okay. So, if you read the Bible, if you want to understand anything about God, you're going to deal with mountains. There are a lot of mountains to climb in the Bible. After the flood, Noah and the ark, they rest on Mount Ararat. Yes? When Abraham goes and nearly sacrifices his son Isaac, it's on Mount Moriah. When Moses encounters the presence of God in the burning bush, it's on Mount Horeb. And later on, Moses receives the Ten Commandments from the Lord God on Mount Sinai. Some scholars say it may be the same mountain, Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai. We don't know. Could be. When Moses tries to enter the promised land, he can't. He gets as far as Mount Nebo. He can see the promised land, but he can't go over the River Jordan. Lots of mountains in the Bibles. I could have come up with more. Today, the prophet Isaiah says this, that he, he sees a word. Do you get that? He sees a word. It's a vision that he has of all of the people all of the nations going up to the Lord's mountain. They stream to the house of the Lord, which is on Mount Zion, Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And it's called the highest mountain. I looked it up. Do you know how high, how high Mount Zion is? 2,510 feet. <clears throat> Not exactly the highest mountain in the world. So what's, what is the prophet Isaiah trying to say? It is paramount. It is the best of all of the mountains. It is the chief amongst all of the hills. And I love this imagery. All of the people flow uphill. <laughs> Talk about defying gravity. They go up. They stream up to the holy mountain. They go against the pool of the world. So strong is God's word in our midst. God is in the house. God's in the house on the top of the hill, Mount Zion. The people who go, go they're not sightseers. They're not tourists. They're pilgrims. They're being drawn by this God. The imagery here in the prophet Isaiah is this. The Lord God is our instructor. People will say, let's go up to the Lord's mountain so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. There's a word here in Hebrew, Torah, and some people interpret it as law. It's not that. What it means is instruction, the best way to live. That's what people are seeking from the instruction of God. If you deal with the Bible, you're going to deal with places like mountains. God's most precious promises are often tied to the land. And so in this sermon series uh, during the season of Advent, we're looking that all creation proclaims Messiah. And so here's the first mountain I would have us climb today, and that's the mountain of taking care of God's creation here 
of meeting the Messiah in what we have been given here upon this earth. Uh, many years ago, this book comes from 1993, I, was, uh, I purchased this book called Dear World. It was written by a, a lawyer named Lam- Lannis Temple. He was a very successful attorney, but very unhappy. <laughs> what he liked to do was to be out in God's creation and to talk with people, especially little children. And so he just started on a journey going around the world, visiting with children and asking them to write a letter to the world. Dear world, this is in 1993. This this concern for our creation has been going on for a while, huh? He said, uh, I didn't write a scholarly or statistical analysis. This is more a dream, a collection of letters, drawings, and photos from the heart. So the the first letter I have is from um, a little boy in Nepal, in the mountains. Let's see the picture that he drew here. His name is Saraswati, age 10. He says this, My dear world, I like to play in the mountains. I feel like running in the Himalayas. Hunters should not be allowed to kill the birds in the mountains and also in the forest. The mountains in the forest will be very quiet and dark without them. We should not kill the birds. The next letter comes from the Cook Islands, not a very high place, uh, sea level. And this is written by Christina, who's age nine. Dear world, I love to watch the world upon a mountain, but the world is getting more polluted, and it's not nice to look at anymore. I also love to watch the whales while I'm on a boat, but there are not as many whales left. I feel that they should stop killing whales and stop polluting the world so that the world would look more like the world. That's what I like and feel about nature. I'm afraid that the pollution from the world is going into space and it's biting on the ozone. So now the sun is really shining and the water level is rising and it will sink some islands. I'm also afraid of nuclear testing. It is killing the fish and all kinds of creatures in the ocean. And one day while they're testing, the bomb might land on one of the islands. That's what I'm really scared of. I wish they would stop. I have a dream that one day man would act like brother and sister and there would be peace, no pollution, no wars, no hunger, no problems in families, all those stuff like that. That is my dream. And one more letter from the Andes Mountains from Venezuela from a little boy named... Giovanni Rojas Callejas, age 10. Dear world, I like to be in the cloudy mountains. When I see the fog, I feel like I'm in the sky. When I go to the mountains, I feel happy in the air. I like the trees. I feel as if the trees, pardon me, I feel as if I see the trees talking and laughing. Here's the first mountain to climb, is to take care of, of this precious creation that God has given us, and to see the Creator and to see the Messiah in our midst. What would you do? Um, I know that when Miss Jane talks to the little children here in chapel at our preschool, she will do things like uh, turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth. Draw on both sides of a piece of paper. (laughs) Really, really simple things that she tries to do with the children. Um, I believe that's what we're called to do.
Here, here's the second mountain that we could climb here. It says in the passage that God will be the judge. And as I read the commentaries, not a judge who was dressed in a black robe like I'm wearing today, but one who would help broker international disputes and, and bring order and justice into this world so that we would transform our instruments of war into harvest implements. The second big mountain to climb is that of peacemaking. Hear me very clearly. Not peacekeeping, peacemaking. So Kathy and I, sometimes when we're in uh, Angel Fire, New Mexico, worship at the United Church of Angel Fire, and there's this beautiful visual we have of that church there. There's this tower that's outside of the church grounds, and if you see that bell tower there, those are made from shell casings from artillery shells. This is what the prophet Isaiah is talking about. It's going from a culture that looks to war to a culture that looks to peace. I'm not saying this is easy. This is a very high mountain to climb. Uh, I looked it up this past week. You, you've heard of the War College, right? Um, it was started in 1946. In fact, just two months ago, it celebrated its 70th anniversary. National War College was founded to prepare future military and civilian leaders for high-level policy command and staff responsibilities. I got to thinking, is there a peace college? <laughs> we got a war college. You know, the prophet Isaiah here talks about peace and changing your swords into plowshares. And yes, you'd be happy to know there are such things. Um, in the 1950s, there began peace studies, an inter interdisciplinary field to study the causes of armed conflict, ways to prevent and resolve war, to prevent genocide, to prevent terrorism and violations of human rights, to build peaceful and just societies. One of the earliest ones was a peace research institute in Oslo, there's also the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. The Quakers, the Mennonites, the Church of the Brethren have colleges with major programs in peace. In 1986, there was established the Kroc Institute for Peace. It is one of 400 around the world. When we say peace here, we're not talking about the absence of conflict or war. We're talking about something much deeper we're talking about the Hebrew word shalom, that wholeness, that completeness, that right relationship with God and with others. Talk about a mountain to climb. A lot of people say it's impossible, so why even start? But as I was reading and reflecting this past week, it came to me that there won't be peace unless we imagine it. Just like the prophet Isaiah, he had this vision. Nothing ever happens unless you can see another way of seeing to see the way that God sees. It's not just a dream, but there's a way forward. We're like those pilgrims that are flowing up to the mountain and say, teach us your ways, help us to walk in your paths. It's an act of imagination that looks beyond the present moment to see with the eyes of God what might be possible. In fact, what is promised. There will come a day, it says in the scriptures. We're guided by that vision. It's like Advent. It seems like it'll never get here. <laughs> We wait and wait with the children. We wait in the doctor's office. We wait and we wait. But we wait with expectation that light overcomes darkness, that truth overcomes falsehood, 
that evil will be destroyed and that death has been overcome. We say in our creed that, and in the, the prayer that we offer here at the table that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. We live in the hope that we live between these two advents, the first coming of Jesus as a little baby, but the coming of Jesus as the Lord of all life at the culmination of, of history. There's a third mountain I would have us climb today, and it goes a little beyond this passage. It's the, the mountain of a personal mountain to climb, a relational mountain to climb. You say, boy, this passage really sounds familiar that we had read for us from, from uh, Isaiah here. It's also found in Micah, um, in the prophet Micah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And it got me to thinking that probably this was said over and over again in worship. And so it got so deep in people that they said, boy, I really hope that that's true. I want to live according to that vision. We need to keep reading this passage again and again to get its full content. Verses 1 through 3 of Micah, this fourth chapter, are nearly exact quote of what we had read for us, but it adds a fourth verse. Here's the personal part. It says, But they shall all sit under their own vines and fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. This is what I want to get at on the personal level. I really don't go here very often. I'm real good about talking about social gospel, about getting involved in the world, making the difference. But this Jesus came to have a personal relationship with you. The advent of Christ as Savior for you and for the world. That you don't have to be afraid that you can sit under your vines, your fig trees in your houses, in your homes, in your schoolyards and not be afraid. We are an anxious people I know that because we fill up our time with a lot of activity and, and striving and trying to reach things, and there's just not a lot of peace in our lives. I, I'm just preaching the gospel here to you that, listen, you're loved. <laughs> you're forgiven. You are empowered. You're not alone. God has taken on flesh and come to live amongst us to offer us a way out of our anxiety. We don't have to live under fear. We can all be under our own vines and fig trees. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus went to the Mount of Temptation and turned down the tempter three times. This is why Jesus went on the Mount and preached that sermon on the Mount and said, all those blessed R's, you remember those Beatitudes? This is why Jesus went upon that hill where there was a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You're loved. You are forgiven. You are empowered. There was a, a great mountain climber. His name was George Mallory. He wanted to climb Mount Everest in the early 1920s. And people asked him, why climb Mount Everest? Do you remember what he said? Because it's there. <laughs> Why climb this mountain of the Lord? Because God is there. That's the good news I have to share with you this day. Amen.